Attention! The movie guys love movies. Any comments about the Catholic Church ordaining a female priest, two parallel lines intersecting, and hell essentially freezing over are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Harry Carey? Well, the Cubs won. And Bill Murray cried. He did. Oh, it's the cutest thing. I have it up on the Boobay Sisters page if you want to check it out on our Twitter. Bill Murray's all excited, and then it just turns into tears of joy. They kept cutting. Now, now, for those of you who don't follow, who are listening to us for all your movie excitement. Yeah, so now we're giving you sports information. And you don't follow sports so much. (laughs) The Cubs are going to the World Series. They haven't won the World Series, despite Chicago's current excitement, but they still haven't done that in the lifetime of a guy like Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> I think he missed it by like three years. He was so excited. When he was born for I the last he, time. I think they said that he summed up how everybody else was feeling in that one moment. They kept cutting to old people all the time during the celebration because it's like, look at this guy, he's 80. He's never seen a Cubs <laughs> World Series championship. They could, have someone who, they could have someone who was 107, still would never have seen a Cubs World Series championship. That is messed up. And I'm sure, uh, one of our guests today will come on, no doubt, tell us how many championships the Yankees have had uh, in that amount of time. We'll I hear that later. Can't imagine who that. But would the be. point is, go out and buy your lottery <laughs> tickets. Uh, uh, yes. Well, uh, and hell is freezing over apparently, so perfect time for Inferno to happen. Yeah. Uh, Paul, what are you doing? Hmm? Paul. Paul, we're starting. I'm reading the show. Inferno but, by Dan Brown. Uh, you haven't finished reading that yet. It opens on Friday. Karen, I think I made this clear on last week's show. Yes. I'm done with books because the book is always better than the movie. But I love movies, right. so I can't have them be worse than books. So I just stop reading books, and then all the movies are great. Okay, then you can stop reading that one and just go watch the movie. But I know the movie's not going to be as good as this, and I've started <laughs> this already. You know, it's funny that this is actually kind of a good thing. This is a good telltale sign for this movie is that you never read books. You only read magazines, Empire Magazine and the Entertainment Weekly Magazine, stuff yeah. like that. You're, you actually brought a book on vacation. That's impressive. Empire is the last great movie magazine. And they had to do it in, in England to make it great. For those of you who don't know, Empire Magazine in England. It's fantastic. Real movie journalism. All right, I'll put the book down. Put and the get book on with down, the show. thank you. Welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guy's empire. Wouldn't this be a great world if insecurity and desperation made us more attractive? Hmm. If needy were a turn on? You've reached Ground Zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, previews, special guests, bits, banter, and more as we broadcast from... Well, we're not in the cozy confines of our studio, the Admirals Club. are not. As a matter of fact, if you take a look on YouTube, you'll see there's some uh, local artists behind us. They have some great pictures and murals and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We uh, are instead nestled in the cozy confines of Kasha Coffee in Fredonia, New York. Kasha Coffee in Fredonia, New York! There we go. Thank you very much. Coffee, tea, breakfast, lunch, uh, a handful of baked goods. It can all be gotten here. Oh, my gosh. We already ate, and it's fantastic. The food's fantastic. Yeah, and there's a pretty nice atmosphere, too. There's dim lighting. I might have to get my glasses, do the rest of the show. <laughs> it's, it's groovy music and overall cool vibe, so it can all be uh, gotten here. It's a good place for movie talk. Absolutely. And we will do that today, as I we think, always do. As a matter of fact, when we came in, we met uh, Dave, yes. who is uh, already... He was here, just a guy having... Coffee and Just we started guy. immediately. Normal guy, a doctor. not not like a doctor, doctor guy. Doctor Dave. Doctor Dave is here. <laughs> I agree. We can't be sure about normal. By his own admission. 
But we immediately started talking movies before he even really knew what we were doing. So it's a perfect place for movie talk. And thanks to Karen and Anthony of Kasha Coffee, who run the joint, for having us on. What? Okay, there, there so we're getting a you're welcome from behind the counter. Uh, but this is a brand new show, and these brand new shows are offered up every week if you're just coming across us for the first time. Just search uh, Google, Bing, or... That's Yahoo. And we come right up. And of course, the show each week oh, is... Oh, hang on a second there, Paul. I, uh, I was coming here from the airport, and I had a $1.80 on me, and that's exactly how much it cost to get off the highway at the Fredonia Exit Plaza. Oh, yes. So I had to use the last $1.80 I had. Karen, I didn't bring money it. for the I'm show today. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah? The show is free. Wait, what? So fear not. Not just you, for everybody, yes? free show. Holy so there you cow. go. The show is free. What I appreciate your uh, efforts. I had a whole buck eighty in well, change. Well, we'll take donations. We're oh. not going to stop anybody. But, All right. But if you're just clicking across us, wherever you find us, it's free. It really is a horrible business model. That's terrible. Uh, I'm your host for the hardest working podcast in all the land, Paul Preston, here with Karen Volpe. <laughs> oh, my God. You killed a pilgrim. And uh, Karen's right. Our normal co-host, Bart, uh, is not here. Adam is not here. So in filling in for him with a goofy uh, bit about how much the show costs... Uh, is proof we've left them behind, left them back <laughs> on the West Coast. They decide not to go camping with us here in Western New York. That's right. We're in Western New York. For mm-hmm. those avid listeners of the show, you know the Boubet sisters, Karen's comedy troupe. They are on a East Coast tour, I guess, right? Well, sure. We're not in L.A., so it's East Coast tour. They appeared on our showcast for the holiday specials and mm-hmm. the 100th episode special. Uh, they're playing uh, Ohio. Yes, we're doing a on Halloween giant night, Halloween party, and, and four shows. No, three, four shows. Four shows here in, in Western three New York. Three days. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. My brother helped put the tour together. He's working me into the ground. And I came along because I'm married. And because he plays Hunky Frankenstein. I do play Hunky Frankenstein, who you've also seen on the show a number of times. <laughs> uh, and last night she played in Sinclairville, New York, with a makeshift Karen Volpe band. Yes, so at Fegan's Witch Kitch. A lot that put mm-hmm. us here. So here is where we are. And, uh, oh, to boot, we're also in Fredonia, which is, of course, our alumni, so we are here for our college reunion and homecoming weekend. And as a matter of fact, I was just realizing that as we sit here in Fredonia and talk about that and realize that the show is absolutely free, we should have gone to business college. Yeah, we did it wrong. We we went to theater arts college. Uh, let's see. Mm. So, oh, that brings us to uh, our one of our guests, who Uh-oh. you'll see later in the show. Mm. Uh, he is the outgoing chairman of the Department of Theater and Dance. I might be wrong about that title, but basically, he's our up. old acting professor and a great guy and friend of the show, Tom Lachlan. That's right. <laughs> Did Yay! I get that right? Yeah, Lachlan. Because it's Laughlin, no, L-A-U-G-H, which is really laugh. There's no Laughlin, even though that's how it's spelled. Right. Like There's the, no Laughlin, like the Nevada. Town in Vegas. Right. All right. But uh, he'll be here, uh, an acting teacher, theater lover, and he'll tell us why movies are bad. Yeah, so I look can't wait to for that. that. That's going to be fantastic. Also, we wanted to catch the pulse of the Western New York filmmaker. Movie making has become so accessible over the years that, uh, as you know, you no longer need to go out and buy thousands of dollars of film stock to make a movie. You can just jump right in and more easily get the equipment than ever before to help you bring your idea to life where um, that's become easier now to do than ever before. But is it easy to do here? In I, Western New I York. can't even get our script printed. I don't know if I, it's exactly. easy to do. We're here. gonna get some stories from the trenches, folks who are making movies right here in the Jamestown of Buffalo, New York region, and uh, we'll talk to them later. That would be Matthew Swanson and Paul Schirmerhorn. Yeah, all right. Woo-hoo. Also Skimmerhorn. So Laughlin, oh Lachlan, Skimmerhorn, Schirmerhorn. <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of that later. Uh, but of course, first the previews, the signature part of our show. Movie previews. 
but only one movie to discuss this week, but it's a potentially big one. See, normally the holiday movie season starts after Halloween, right? Mm -hmm. we, Halloween comes and goes, and the first weekend of November, boom, your holiday movies are upon us. But uh, they've pushed, like they've pushed the start of summer to early April now with fast whatever movies. Um, the holidays may already be upon us. October 28th. It's just like going to the Rite Aid. You go to the Rite Aid in July, and it has October stuff out. So now holiday movies are out, and we don't you need to You go there, Labor Day, and it's Christmas trees. And it's Christmas trees. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. But they do October that with 28th sees a release of Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones in Inferno. It's that time of year when Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks are back doing what they do best, <laughs> running. Tom's. Tom's. They do. Tom Cruise is, is the dumb. best. He's the best running ever, right? He is a very good runner. No run runs better than Tom Cruise in movies. He even runs on the posters for movies. And now I see Tom Hanks running because people are after him. I'm surprised that Tom Hanks is running because he's an older kind of Tom than the other Tom. But not by much. No, not by much. Yeah. Isn't that weird how they seem like totally different ages? Uh, but mm -hmm. we don't want to accuse Inferno of being overly melodramatic, but... There's a switch. If you throw it, half the people on Earth will die. But if you don't, in a hundred years, the human race will be extinct. You are humanity's final hope. Well, that's going on in a movie this week. My goodness, that's a lot of pressure. Sometimes someone will tell me, we're counting on you to come with the key to unlock the door to whatever, you know, where you work. Right. That's a lot of pressure. And you're like, did I forget, did I forget to do you that? Know, I emptied but my this, pockets. This, you are humanity's only hope. No pressure, Tom No Hanks. pressure. Well, let's get to that movie, shall we? Yes. Like, zoink, Scoob, there's a mystery about, and there's only one man who can solve it. Sully Sullenberger? Close. Uh-huh. It's another adventure involving Robert Langdon. Ah, yes, Robert Langdon, who's a symbologist, just like Neil Peart. That's a symbologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait. Uh, actually, Robert Langdon is cinema's most famous symbologist, or perhaps cinema's only symbologist, trained in the study of ancient symbols. I think we can say he's the most interesting symbologist since Riley Martin. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Deep reference. <laughs> it's Inferno. Karen, let's talk about it. That is a great scene from Ghostbusters. It's where they're dancing. The tall blonde lady is dancing with Rick Moranis. That's true. Gene Kasem. Yep. Uh, all right, let's get to it. From Dan Brown, author of The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Sorry, that's... Uh, the Da Vinci Code, and Angels and Demons. Oh, okay. Comes the thrilling final installment in the Robert Langdon Adventures. Note, installment finality may change based on the author's summer home purchases. <laughs> Inferno begins with Langdon waking up in a hospital, unable to remember who he is and what he's an expert in. But that's where the parallels between Langdon and my grandfather with Alzheimer's separate. <laughs> As it turns out, he's fallen victim to that classic movie villain, Amnesia. Then he begins having terrible visions of blood in the streets and people bursting into flames. Here's a clip. How you feeling? How you feeling? That, that yeah, may not be. Yeah, absolutely. Karen, I don't think you have the right clip there. Oh, come on. Uh, when a guy in Florence, Italy, does a trust fall off a building and no one catches him, a conspiracy <laughs> is set into place. The pressure mounts on Langdon to remember all that clever stuff he used to know about ancient art and secret societies as he starts to uncover a plan to not only a plot that could endanger the entire world, but also the plot to this movie. 
The police find a map of Dante's hell on the man who leapt to his death, and they call on Professor Langdon to determine whether the clues lead up to a global conspiracy, or if this is just another college kid who didn't want to read one more word of Dante. Not even supposed to be here today. Langdon unravels the mystery of a global pandemic that Dante had raveled in the pages <laughs> of his book, The Divine Comedy. You're unraveling a big cable knit sweater that someone keeps knitting. I'm just going to let that play underneath. Dante's Divine Comedy wasn't just a boring book, but a prophecy, which Dante hid in his works to keep it secret from everyone except Professor Langdon and Todd, the grad student from Miami of Ohio, who couldn't be bothered to tell anyone because it was 25-cent wing night at Mac and Joe's. Why are all these ancient authors and thinkers so quick to leave clues where Langdon can get them? Why not just not leave clues and get away with everything? Good point. Turns out an American billionaire decides that there are just too many people on the planet. So he concocts a virus that he intends to unleash on the world that will more than decimate its population. Wow. Does the virus have a name? Funny you should ask because it sure does. It's called Inferno. All right, stop that. Stop it. And it's up to Langdon <laughs> to try and stop it. Here we go. All right. He has left this map. Is this supposed to be a puzzle? Yes, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. A puzzle that you have to solve. Tom, geez, haven't you been watching your own <laughs> franchise? That's what you do in these movies. The virus, if released, would wipe out half of the world's population, which sounds bad until you realize that the virus would wipe out half the world's population. And that seems about right if you think about it. I mean, think about everyone you'd ever come across in your lifetime. Aren't at least half of those people people you could do without? Isn't that right, Bill Burr? You ever had one of those selfish thoughts? Like, what if it was a bunch of people who died, nobody you knew or loved, right? And then the next day, you just get to tear right through the Lincoln Tunnel at about five in the evening. Everybody <laughs> wants their hands on the virus, especially the government, who will stop at nothing to get it, including killing Tom Hanks. What? Maybe next time they should have Peter Scolari try and save the world. Nobody would notice. This franchise See, offers... See, he was on Bosom Buddies. Yeah, okay, he's mind. the one that isn't his big star. You're so <laughs> horrible. This franchise offers all the action of the Bourne movies combined with all the adventure of an Indiana Jones movie, but without as many guns or explosions. It's like the Buick of action-adventure movies, you know, because even old people need something to drive and see in theaters. <laughs> this movie has got to be easier to watch than the Divine Comedy is to read. Personally, I'm just glad to see... Happy Days, Ron Howard, and Bachelor Party's Tom Hanks returning to their comedy roots. That's, that, no, okay, what? never mind. Yes. Uh, here's Hanks describing working with uh, Ron Howard. Hovering, grown, <laughs> it came back, it's gone. <laughs> now it's back, it's back. <laughs> Hovering. Probably should have explained what that was what before I played that? the clip. That's Hanks doing a Ron Howard impersonation as he watches a monitor and directs his actors to run from drones, which he has to put in later in post. Hovering, run. Hovering, <laughs> run. It came back. It's gone. <laughs> that sounds like how Tom Laughlin would direct us. I really feel like I can, I've been there. Exit stage left. No, come back. No, leave. Leave faster. Get it on, get it over, get it off. That's go. what I've been screamed at by Tom Laughlin. The rest of the movie plays out like a family trip to the great art galleries of Europe, scheduled by a father on meth with only one day to see everything. <laughs> uh, 
Tom Hanks pulls a Zach Galifianakis, and he shows up in a second film in less than two months. But if there's a man up to the task of saving all of mankind, well, it's Tom Hanks. Or a woman, for that matter, because he is just as good of an actor. And who didn't love Bosom Buddies? The film also stars Sidse Babbitt Knutson. And if Bart were here, I'm sure he would find a way to shoehorn a Big Lebowski drop here. You mean like this one? Her real name is Fawn Knutson. Her parents want her back, see? Rounding out the cast are other actors with names. But come on, let's face it. When Tom Hanks is in a movie, the other actors aren't why you go to see it. And if you're still not convinced to go check it out, Terrible Marketing Magazine says, from the author of Deception Point and the director of The Dilemma with the star of Bonfire of the Vanities. (laughs) That sounds like a joke we would write. Will Robert Langdon decipher the millennial symbols happy face, happy face, winky face, wine applause, purple eggplant, and determine who wants to Netflix and chill? Just find out this Friday. There you go. That's Inferno, everybody. Read this book. (laughs) Already the trailer gave away stuff I haven't read yet in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's because you don't read as fast as the trailer trailers. I can't read a book in three minutes. I know. Is that your point? I think that's what I'm trying to say. By the way, Peter Scolari just won an Emmy. So we goof on the guy, but he just won an Emmy. Yeah, come on. And the woman that Tom Hanks is um, opposite, she has an Academy Award. Nomination. Nomination. Felicity Jones? Yes. She's great. Yeah. And so the when theory we pick of everything, on, she's quite good in them. When we pick on the fact that the only reason you go is for Tom Hanks, I don't know if that's completely true. No, no. We goof. In fact, uh, you know, I'm going to go see this Buick of action movies. Why not? <laughs> you call it a Buick? I saw the first two. Well, oh, that was a joke. I love Karen, it. are you listening to the show? I don't listen to the show. I, I love how you um, just called it an action movie. Well, That's they, so they run, and, you know, it's, it's know, an action movie the way that Three Days of a Condor is an action movie. <laughs> but I like that Tom Hanks is sort of, as he's getting older, becoming sort of more of an action-y guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Because, yeah. you know, he forced gumped for a while. He Philadelphia'd. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now, and he, now he's Robert Langdon. Robert Langdoning. Yeah. I did, going to a whole different movie, we saw, um, was it, I can't remember what it was called, Sully, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We flew here and I got to tell you after you see that movie the next time you go on a plane it's very different cuz I just start paying attention to everything. Yeah, you hear a rumble it's like not cool. And then I kept hoping we went in here stay down heads down what it was brace, it? Brace, brace 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 heads, heads down, down stay down. down. Unpleasant. Oh. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I never want to hear that. And then right before Southwest left uh uh, we were leaving, oh, from um, L.A., from Burbank over to Vegas, they said, in the case of a water emergency in the desert. And that's the only thing that saved those people is they landed on the water. We don't even have that going I for us. I think this is what the stewardesses actually said. Hovering! Drown! <laughs> it came back! It's gone! <laughs> now it's back! It's back! <laughs> Hovering! Laughing in the background oh. of the clip, of course, is Dave Letterman, who I missed. That's awesome. I That's need funny. some Dave Letterman back. I know. But, uh, no, I will see this. I've of seen course them all. you'll see this, because you're Howard. reading the book. Now, Ron Howard also just made a Beatles documentary about their touring years called Eight Days a Week. Now, when you double up like that, I hope, you're, I hope his focus was on both movies equally, so we now, you know, one of them doesn't take a hit, but Eight Days a Week is supposedly really good. So uh, How does he direct a documentary? He can't yell at the actors. He can't be like, play your bass. <laughs> Edit. Edit. <laughs> Found footage. <laughs> Editing. Yeah. I think you can edit that. Edit, I think you can make that movie from afar, though. I think I could be on the set of Inferno and just send notes to the guys making the doc. On his phone, you think he could just like Facebook and send yeah, he messenger? just FaceTimes. Hey guys, go ahead and uh, you know do this and that, and everything will be fine. That'll be perfect. Yeah, uh, I just uh, I'm in. 
All right. Oh, and it's also an Irfan Khan sighting. Who's Irfan Khan? I'm Excellent question. It, and it's coming out. Uh, in yeah, Jurassic World, he was the actor who played the guy who ran the whole world. He eventually well, died in a helicopter, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. He was also in Life of Pi. Oh, he right. gave the great monologue at the end of that. He was older Pi, telling the stories of his shipwreck. I haven't seen But Life he was in a Pi. movie called A Mighty Heart with Angelina Jolie, which you haven't seen and haven't heard of. Right. But you should oh, see it. Oh, is it? Should I add it to my list? It's quite good. All right. And he's excellent in it. And anytime you get an actor who's good like that, you got to get the name down because he's a character actor who's in a bunch of stuff and you'll go, he was great, whoever he was. No, you should know his <laughs> name. It's Irfan Khan. Irfan? Irfan. I-R-R-F-A-N? That's not a name. Irfan? That's I'm, a perfectly good what am name. I, what, what am I adding to the movies to watch? I have the a jazz mighty singer. Heart. Okay. Karen's growing list of movies that uh, she has to see. And then what happens? You, you have this list of movies. You go home and you watch Walking Dead. I know what happens. Or I just watch another Bill Murray movie. All right. Well, this is the third Dan Brown book adapted into a movie. But what other famous literary works could spark a dangerous worldwide conspiracy? These other Dan Brown books, we have exclusive news. Oh, I'm very excited. It's so exclusive. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, These other Dan Brown books have already been optioned by Hollywood. Now, here are a few of them in production now. These uh, synopses uh, we've ripped from the in-production pages of Hollywood Reporter. Rip. There. Thank you, Donald Trump. Rip. Uh, Let's see. In The Geisel Code... The Dr. Seuss's Mr. Brown Can Moo Can You leads Robert Langdon down a spiraling web of deceit and lies as he deciphers the rhyming in Theodore Geisel's classic children's book to reveal Mr. Brown's call for cannibalism. (laughs) A call that reaches all the way from the steps of the Mississippi Congress to Paula Deen's kitchen. Langdon must stop the mooing cry that triggers a Manchurian candidate-like response in top congressional leaders trying to block Michelle Obama's healthy eating campaign before a nation of fat kids destroys the country. The film will star Quentin Tarantino reprising his Reservoir Dogs role as Mr. Brown. Well, there you this go. This is happening, people. That's very exciting. Ripped right out of the headlines. Yes. Here's one ripped from today's headlines as well. Rip. The Raleigh Rally. Oh. Wow. The national issue of transgender bathrooms takes center stage as Robert Langdon uncovers a secret meaning in... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Mm. Langdon's fascination with the secret meanings hidden in the text of Judy Bloom's literary classic sends him down a spiraling web of deceit and lies as he uncovers the Illuminati's plan to put self-hating closeted transgender and North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory front and center in this anti-LGBT debate. Langdon's further investigation into Bloom's wordplay reveals McCrory to have a double life as Margaret, a blonde bombshell crying out to be understood. And who really wants a puppy? Yeah. These, all these guys are all hypocrites. Yeah, it's amazing how they're always spiraling through a web of deceit and lies. And finally, mm-hmm. in Demons and More Demons, oh. Robert Langdon is called into a meeting of national security with the White House Chief of Staff and Bill Gates to decrypt the true meaning of Apple's terms of service. <laughs> I wish someone would. Langdon's deep dive into the treacherous, complex network of phrases and legal jargon puts his life in danger and, of course, sends him down a spiraling web of DC. I lies. knew it! When Langdon has the apple of... When, uh, when, sorry, when Langdon ties the apple of Macintosh's logo to the first fruit ever revealed in the Garden of Eden, he exposes just how far back the conspiracy goes to create useless technology requiring everyone <laughs> to throw away old adapters and buy new ones. Despite the truth being revealed, everyone clicks agree anyway. That's what Spoiler happens. Spoiler alert. That's how it no is. one has time for that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyway, that's Inferno. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, your new movie of the week, Woo-hoo. and that's it. So that's all you got to go see if you want something new. But again, it should be pretty big, and it'll win the weekend. And also, you can go see Ghostbusters. Uh, you can get the DVD that's out now, the Blu-ray, so you can see the other footage too. They have extras. There you go. Just in case you want to see Ghostbusters again. Right. Everything else in theatrical release is getting out of the way of Hanks and Howard. Right. Smart move. Uh, we can get uh, right to the guest segments of our show Yay, then. So give us 10 fun. seconds of break, and we'll be right back with the filmmakers behind the feature Empire, made right here in Western New York. Matthew Swanson and Paul Schirmerhorn. So stay with us. And we are back. Joined by the director, co-writer, and co-producer, and another co-producer of a new film coming soon called Empire. We'll have him tell you what it's all about, but mainly I want to get the skinny on what it's like to cobble together a film when you're not in a booming metropolis like L.A. or New York, Atlanta, or Vancouver. Those would be probably where everything's being made, right? And, uh, well, let's just please welcome the Matthew Swanson and Paul Schirmerhorn. There we go. I was going to say Skimmerhorn again because we talked about this before the show. I had a teacher who taught keyboarding. That's a thing, right? He would teach you how to type. Everybody yep. has to know how to type His now. His name was yeah. Mr. Skimmerhorn. I yeah. think it was spelled the same. Well, don't keep saying that because then you'll be calling him Skimmerhorn. Well, it's like a pop and soda thing, right? I think in so. In Middle New York, it's Skimmerhorn. Out here, it's Schirmerhorn. Before we yeah. even got off the plane t- uh, in Buffalo, people were standing up to get off the plane. I heard a lady talking about getting some pop. And I went, oh, there's that thing. That, that's a thing. <laughs> I yeah. forgot that thing. Yeah. <laughs> says soda on the can. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's get the voices down with everybody. So, Matthew. Chime Hello. in for us. Hello. Sorry. Tell us about Empire. Yeah. Well, uh, Empire is something that we started writing in 2012 and uh, started filming in 2013. And we uh, pretty much just wrapped last year, uh, last April, and right now we're in post-production. Um, this, is, uh, this is something that we absolutely love to do. Um, uh, it, it's, for us locally, it's just a chance to uh, give as many people who are interested in it uh, a chance to do something that they they love to do that they think they love to do uh it we just like to give them an opportunity to try out something new and uh try to share the fun do you mind me asking how old you are uh 27 and now he's giving back already this i guy. know this guy he gets <laughs> right i'm 27 i'm looking around for who can help me and you're the helper <laughs> guy already and you're 27 that's great uh so paul then yes. uh, Chime in and tell us uh, what the story is of Empire. Uh, well, it's mostly about a girl who uh, finishes college and she's looking into the work uh, environment and she finds a job that she applies for and kind of like uh, Inferno, a lot of things happen and a lot of uh, a, a bit of conspiracy type stuff happens that she doesn't expect to uh, engage in. And uh, at some point, uh, things kind of go awry for All her. All right, Paul, this sounds very sketchy. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think All right, they can say much. here's what's happening. She gets out of college. She gets a job as a stripper. Things start going down. Now she's got to change her name. I think I've heard this story before. See, when you're that vague, that's where Karen That's goes. where I go immediately. I'm like, oh, she gets some sketchy job where things aren't what they seem. Mm, I see. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> got to pay the bills. Right? <laughs> but it's sort of a, is it a government conspiracy type thing? Is it a... There is a bit of uh, small city government stuff going on that uh, 
Yeah, no, careful I, here. My I can't, cousin. I can't give away too much. I just exactly. want you guys to take it easy because my cousin is Sam Teresi, the mayor of Jamestown. Uh-huh. So <laughs> you guys calm down with this internal investigation of the mayor. Now, is that right. where you're making the film? Are you Buffalo or Jamestown? Jamestown. Jamestown. See, that's all I'm saying. That's what well, I'm talking about. We got to be careful what right? we say. Right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Now, L.A. is full of people who are struggling to get permits, who are dealing with uh, opportunities. Who don't like to walk places. What? Police and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, how easy is it to get a place to film whatever you need? And what sort of places and locations did you seek out that may have been difficult or, mm-hmm. or surprised you with how easy they were? It, it's actually fairly easy because, um, kind of like what Matt said, you know, people want to do stuff around here. And... Uh, so really, we just took the route of asking permission, going in there, you, wait talking a minute, you to the took right. the route of asking yes. for people to, oh, <laughs> yep. we, we just are, run and gun in LA, guys. we just like shoot it really quick before you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we, we actually met with Sam Tracy and what? the police department, we, we communicated what we wanted to do, and I think the fact that we took that route led to them um, being very helpful. Good. All right. You that's know. great. A uh, cool thing about it was that the atmosphere around each conversation, I don't think we had one person in all these years who said that uh, we couldn't do something. They always found a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. Uh, we never expected that. And it just kept happening again and again and again. And uh, we are just so thankful for that. That's amazing, because in L.A., if you go to a premiere, there's two red carpets. There's the one for all the actors who are in the movie and the production people, and they get photos and stuff. Then there's the production um, red carpet, I guess, behind it, with anybody who's friends or family or worked on the movie in some lower capacity. And you, you can't even get, you have to keep moving. They just yell at you. They will not help you on that line. So the fact that these people are like, sure, shoot here. In L.A., you can't even stand and watch anybody get their photo taken. Move it along. Let's go. Well, I mean... you're invited to that party. We we don't... There's no system. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like L.A. where it's years and years of dealing with people filming. Here, there's kind of no permits and stuff. So, yeah, we do kind of get away with stuff. (laughs) I think that sounds fantastic. Excuse me. I'm having some of the flatbread, which you can come (laughs) and enjoy at Kasha Coffee on Main Street in Fredonia, New York. Quite good. And just make your own. You can add your own ingredients. I did not realize that. I was talking about this yesterday. You're doing normally, a quick commercial for Kasha. Well, normally I'm not a fan of making stuff myself. That's uh-huh. not what I pay for. But I did a pretty good job once again. Okay. <laughs> Going back to what Paul was saying. This, yeah. So there's not a system in place for making movies here. So that's good because you get to be creative and come up with your own creative uh, answers to things. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, what? So I was going to actually yes. comment on that, but my mouth was full. I know, because you're eating pizza. <laughs> so this is... Uh, so I don't blame you. Having a uh, security <laughs> or police presence on your set never necessary uh no not really really. um we we have a consultant a retired police officer he always kept an eye on things um well think about it paul you can't have these youngins running around with a fake gun on third street somebody might call the cops luckily the cops are already there (laughs) (laughs) right Very true. Thank I mean, you. we we were very aware of that. Fact. People might freak um, out in Jamestown. Yeah, I would. Yeah, like, was there was there gunplay gun? in the movie? Yeah, yeah. quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Oh. oh, I oh, even yeah. knew that. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, if it's a government conspiracy type thing, I yeah, mean, it, it just, a, they could the just trailer. do a lot of running and thinking. They do a lot of figuring <laughs> in these movies. Oh, yeah. They don't necessarily. I'm curious anybody. if there's a lot of running. 
Uh, uh, there's uh, there's one particular running scene that I think people will remember. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We Some of us do our own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> wait, are you guys oh. in the movie? I am. You are? Um, I'm one of the characters, yeah. Oh, oh great. You. So wait, okay, well, I didn't, I left that out of your intro. That's Co-producer fine. and actor, how'd you get that part? Because you're co-producer? Hey, See, that's also, how you do it in That's LA. how you do it. <laughs> that's that's one way you're just like Los right. Angeles. It's very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we're not producing something, there's not a whole lot of acting Mm-hmm. positions around the area so what do you foresee as the challenges to get the film in front of audiences from this part of the world um that's a good question we've yeah. uh yeah. we've discussed the topic of distribution a lot um because this will be done beginning of next year yeah ish yeah. We're hoping so <laughs> let's just say yes the we, editing part's always the hardest we'll definitely yes. have some sort of uh, local screening kind of premiere. And um, all you listeners on WRFA in Jamestown, mm-hmm. keep your eyes and ears peeled for this. Yeah, you, you can go. definitely check it out. You have a Facebook presence, right? Where oh, people yeah. Can follow we have it. a yep. website, Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, Twitter. Okay, good. Yep. All, yeah. Because yep, <laughs> I would think the distribu- distribution part is totally doable from here, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a festival it's submissions, and they don't know they don't, or have to care where they come from. The, the festival will receive a bunch of submissions, mm-hmm. and if yours is worthy, and it goes. Right? And you can just right. do that digitally through um, without a box, so you could submit to all mm-hmm. those different yeah. festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long is your running or uh, length? It's uh, full length. W- uh, well, we were hoping for an hour, twenty minutes, hour twenty-five. Okay. Yep. Just squeezing it into the feature. I was just gonna yes. get it into features. Right? You cut ten minutes in your submission freeze are cheaper for the festivals. Right? You might want to think about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just take out some of that running. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just I cut guess all so. the Paul scenes and you yeah. should have a fine okay. fine festival submission. What are the challenges do you find uh, shooting around here? It sounds like there weren't any. I'm talking I know, to you guys, what are the like challenges? Well we said yes, we asked everybody and they said go ahead. Um, <laughs> For the most part, I yeah. Was, I was expecting stories from the trenches, like everything's uh, gold with these guys. <laughs> it's it's more, personally, it's more scheduling, uh, yeah. um, dealing with people's lives, jobs. Um, Isn't it always? Yeah, I mean, that's I feel like that'd be fairly common, other than with a, a person who commits their whole life to acting. Mm-hmm. These people have families and jobs that, it, it's a little bit of a juggling act to schedule everybody's scenes and I personally that's always been my struggle um, he's had a little bit more technical dealings with the film so are either of you doing the post mm-hmm. yes you're yes. editing too <laughs> yeah editing that's why he's so design. tired and quiet <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Matthew you well. should have some of this flatbread you really should eat <laughs> I, I suppose <laughs> well he lives on the computer screen yeah. editing uh, is seriously. a really it can be very um daunting and at the same time can be very lonely. We have a friend, uh, the great Mike J. Nichols, who is listening to this, and he is, it, we get to, we, Paul and I try to make sure that we reach out to him because he'll go into an editing spiral and we won't hear from him for <laughs> close to five days and we know he's just sitting somewhere in his jam, he's editing in his apartment. Putting another crappy TV show together. Yeah, and not even <laughs> doing a passion project and we're like, we gotta get him out to go eat. <laughs> we bring him some flatbread. It's just like th- what you're going through. It sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't suppose there's any money to make on something like this, is there? Or is mm-hmm. the budget kept so low that there's a shot? Um, well, it, what we're we're, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, we have been operating uh, under the uh, assumption that we're not expecting... Uh, 
this is not a uh, money-making venture yeah. for us. I mean, it's whatever, more of a work of love. Whatever happens, happens. But um, the baseline is this is what we love to do. Um, that's really all that matters. We're having so much fun doing this. We um, always find, I know, right? Let me applaud that. Paul and I always find that um, people ask us, do you make money doing the podcast? And no, we don't make money doing this. However, we have a product that we produce and we force ourselves to do every week, even at Kosher Coffee and Fredonia, because it's passion project. And at the same time, it's a calling card. So you'll be making this movie. You'll get it finished. You'll have it. And then if you want to say, submit to direct a local television commercial or something. They'll say, well, have you ever finished anything? And you can say, yes, I have. <laughs> because finishing something is one of the things that not a lot of people do. And the fact that you're almost there, keep working on it. The fact that once you finish something, you've made this thing you can show to people. And that is something that's very important and very hard to do, and not a lot of people do it. Paul has a history of this. Of <laughs> uh, finishing things? Uh, well, a number of projects. Right? Yes Good. and no. Because yeah. you're kind of a, a local producer around the go, yeah? Yeah, I've, I've worked on a few different feature films. Where have they uh, uh, gone on? What has been their post-finishing <laughs> life? One has entered the state that we almost speak of never. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, not it's being kind done? Of like, oh. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of... It happens. It's not completely in the, the trash yet, but um, I don't personally... Um, work on it too much. That anymore. sounds like my dance career. I'm behind you. I hear that. And it, it does happen. Like <laughs> it's it's not just indie film that does that. You know, there's so many other films, oh, big yeah. budget films that get oh. shot and then they never release them. And oh yeah, so they just shelve them. Mm -hmm. The day the clown cried, Jerry Lewis. We'll never see it. <laughs> That's probably okay. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So uh, you know, when that kind of entered that realm, I had already started working on Empire with Matt, and I just kind of moved on started other projects. Um, there's also another film, Midas Legacy, that we've uh, been in kind of like reposting. Repost. Uh, post and more post. Yeah. Back to post. New uh, people. New, pe new eyes, it, maybe. Kind of, and trying to figure out how to get it to a point where we want to distribute it. So. Has weather been a factor? Because in L.A., it's like, we, this, this set takes place in July. Great. We have a whole year to shoot it. Uh, you know? Here exactly. it's like, well, we got a month or two, and then it's going to be crap weather again in western New York. Uh, you definitely have to work around weather. Yeah. Um, I think you should just do a movie all interiors. <laughs> that way you right? have control. All interiors in mm -hmm. western New York. That is a wise production. I'm you should just be a saying, producer. I should produce. If I did, I would have all interiors, and it would all take place at one location, and it would just have Tom <laughs> Laughlin in it, because I'd be like, he'll, he's free now, he's not working anymore, and then the movie would get done in no time. He just, I just noticed Tom put on a Yankee hat. I he know, didn't he have that when he arrived? No, he pulled it out. When you, you said that, he pulled it out of his pocket. Yeah. He had it ready. He had it ready. Yep. yep. So I, uh, because um, being an actor first and a producer and that kind of thing. Second, for myself, what if I were an actor in the Jamestown area and I wanted to be considered for your movies? Because I know that in L.A. It's, it's a struggle to be seen by the people that you want to be seen by. And so you'll see a project come out with somebody that maybe you think, oh, I could have done that at least as good as them. But you didn't get to audition. You didn't get to know about the auditions or even know about the fact that it was being made. How do people reach out to you and say, look, next time you do a movie, I want to be considered. Let me at least read. Uh, well, we had a we did have a whole casting call for Empire. Great. We had people come in and audition. We filmed it and everything. Uh, I would be more than 
open to people emailing us, contacting us. Okay, um, great. Through like the um, website or Facebook. Yep. So actors mm -hmm. out there, because that's the only way you're going to get work is being proactive. If you mm -hmm. want to be in a film with these gentlemen, and it may not be the film. Obviously, they already filmed this one, but you're always trying to get the next it's job. Still in post. It's still you in post. You can superimpose them into some we shots. <laughs> doing we shoots. can do that. We yeah. can reshoot. More running. Pointing at things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just reach out now for their next film. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely, yes, yes. What is your next film? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, One location with Tom Lachlan. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, well, Nothing in the till yet, and that's all right. Uh, well, there's an idea or two, but we're really trying to focus on finishing Empire. That's and probably the right answer. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Get that other thing done. What am I asking about their next thing? For? I know. They let got them this one finish, finish their movie. And then we got Well, you can you can send us your resume and yes. your. <laughs> That's your right, Paul. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. You're you're trying to oh, get in. Oh, I've already sent you a note. Okay. I don't think you realize. <laughs> uh, let me ask you what we ask everyone. Wait, I need to go back to the plot. Oh, okay. Let's get this plot down for Empire. Right. I'm still confused. There's a girl who goes to work and weird things happen. And that, she's not on. a stripper. I That's up a little that. more. No, no, no. What's going she on? Because be a stripper. the trailer is cool. You can go out there to YouTube and search Empire. Project uh, or something. Uncover or, Empire, probably. Un yep. Uncoverempire.com is your website, yeah? Mm -hmm. and, yep. and so then you can see there's like all these crazy f images flashing by and a lot of shots of like text where a lot of it's redacted. So that's why I knew there was some sort of crazy conspiracy going on. And people didn't want you to know information. She probably finds out information about what? <laughs> there was a description on the YouTube page, but I didn't quite get a handle on what it was. Well, um, I, 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 no, I, don't, I don't want you to give anything away, but there's got to be a little more um, well, I, I would say that uh, it deals with a little bit of um, uh, government establishment, <clears throat> um, it, uh, corruption in that establishment. Um, she. So it's a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, she finds she finds information um, that uh, it tells her about the corruption that's going on. Something that she had a hint of before, but. Um, too afraid to actually mention right out, um, but I, th I. And then she's on the run. Tom's on the run. On the run. A lot Tom's. of running. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the one thing that I find really interesting about it is we follow her process to fight this establishment, but. She doesn't make the right decisions. Uh, there are a lot of wrong decisions that are made, and I think the interesting uh, path to follow is the uh, the uh, the pitfalls of, of what happens. Uh, so it's a comedy. Her. Uh, well, you still root for her, right? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no. yeah. yeah. Still root for her. Any one of us would make dumb mistakes. Well, going there's up no the like man. how to go against a conspiracy for dummies book. Yes. You have to make it up that yourself. That would be a good movie, Yet. though. That would be right, good right, right. <laughs> Pat pending. Pat pending. Pat <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She. I don't think we've even mentioned names. Yeah, who, but, who's uh, our actor? Who is she? So River. The character River stripper. Uh, I'm telling you, yeah. stripper. <laughs> <laughs> she. Uh, how do I not give out? All right, then don't. Away? Don't worry about it. You 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 don't know worry the about plot it. Better. Tell us the actor's name. What's your name? It's a web of lies and deception. Thank you. That's it. That's it. That's They spiral down a web of lies and deception. Who's our actress? I, Alyssa Raimondo. All right. Well, that's cool. a good actor name. And right. uh, Patricia Culliton. Yeah, they kind of go head to head and uh, we see uh, a lot of their uh, struggle against each other and they do a good job with it. They do a very good job with it. 
What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, mine is Back to the Future. Oh. Not the first time that's been that's brought up on the one. show. All that right. is really? a good all one. Right. Yeah, that, that's a good answer. It there is has, a wrong answer, but you pass. It has everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, it does, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it has yeah. heart. It's funny. It's also serious. I mean, it's kind of scary at times. Mm-hmm. So action. much action. Tension. So much yep. tension. Suspense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just keep raising the stakes in that movie until you can't handle yeah, it. And anymore. I also, there's this one thing I always love is when two characters... Uh, that aren't related and don't have to be best friends. And oddly enough, like the doctor and the and Marty, we never know why they met and why they're best buddies. Right, yeah. Yeah. But we're okay with that. He just goes to his house. Hey, what and are we, we doing today, doing Doc? And, then it's like, <laughs> and Doc what? really, Radiation? I mean, at the end of the movie, he's really risking his life to send this kid back. Oh, I love that kind of people working together that mm-hmm. don't what normally. I How love did you that. first see it? Uh, VHS oh. when I was a kid. Oh, wow. I loved it. I had like... I, I feel like it was one of those McDonald's VHS, you know, when you got them, they had like a series of Like with a Happy Meal or something? Or? I, I feel like there was some sort of series that they released specially or something. I can't remember. Animated but series? No, no, no. Oh, it you was mean like a movie. special collector, you yeah. buy a burger, you get but a But I watched that VHS so many times. I did that with Pretty in Pink. It stopped working after a while. <laughs> <laughs> and thank oh, your dad that. for upgrading that Happy Meal. Yeah. Now <laughs> you have a favorite movie of all time. It's a great movie. I'll have to look into that because I don't know why that came to mind. It's interesting. It wasn't one that you saw in the theater, though. So it wasn't that oh, overwhelming no, no. experience. That, I, like when I know. saw Star Wars in the theater when I was a kid, I was like, uh-huh. you know, I couldn't handle it. I wasn't old enough to see it. it in the theater. Oh, I was well, that's in, true. No, I, I mean, I figured that right away. That's why I was curious <laughs> where where yeah. you uh, yeah, saw it. That's, so I'm glad it had that effect even in VHS form. Mm-hmm. And also, I, l- I like the fact that you are respecting and appreciating a movie that came before you. A lot of people just only pay attention to the movies of their lifetime. And then when you get older, you go, I have to go see Casablanca. You have to make it point to mm-hmm. go see these classic movies. Oh, I'm movies. a huge film buff. Good, like, that's awesome. I used to watch uh, Offbeat Cinema at like 2 in the morning. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and I've actually recently started my own kind of Offbeat Cinema type series at uh, the Chapel Theater. We show movies every Tuesday at 7. So, and they're they're like offbeat weird stuff, you know, like In Night of the stuff. Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. And Night that's the, the way to get movies like that. that aren't going to go just mainstream because people can go see the mainstream movies anytime they want. Now we're going to have to go back and get these kinds mm-hmm. of movies. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead, they're not going to uh, show that on the big screen. I uh, showed Carnival of Souls and this, this guy that came, he's like, wow, I haven't seen that in like 30, 40 years mm-hmm. or something when it came out. So and I, that is amazing to me. Like I love seeing that happen like somebody who hasn't seen something in 30 40 years yep. and Agreed. comes back and wow wait a minute i forgot all about that you know the cool thing about la is all these great movies will be in the theater at some point during the year mm-hmm. you know we just saw back to the future and the big screen of sorts it was an outdoor screen but it was a huge inflatable one and everyone brought chairs and oh, wow. and they mm-hmm. sat out and we watched it and it was great nice uh, matthew uh, well, I would have said Back to the Future, but uh, then I saw the movie Inception, and that—that yeah. that is, uh, I think that's my top movie. It, my favorite film of 2010, for sure. Yeah. yeah certainly yeah. one of the best. Uh, such an ambitious movie. Oh, absolutely. What do you yeah. love about it? Uh, well, am- the ambition of it. Um, I, love, uh, I love the heist film uh, feel of it. I love uh, the complication of the storytelling, how accessible it is to uh, the general audience. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. Nolan just make Christopher Nolan make, makes that complex situation you mentioned yep. accessible, mm-hmm. and it's crazy how effortless it seems when you know it's the most complicated and crazy story of all time. Exactly. Right? No, that's so admirable. When that's I think of that movie, I think of it being like one of those paintings by Salvador Dali. 
-hmm. where things are yep. going up, but then they're going down. Right. It's like, and I'm enjoying this picture of barrels in a beach. And you step back, it's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yes. I mean, but, and the acting top notch throughout. Oh, that. absolutely. Mary Cotillard, yeah. DiCaprio, yep. I mean, Michael Caine, anytime he shows up, it's always good. Yep. Now, neither one you, of you mentioned your favorite Bill Murray movie. So I'd like to ask you that question because that's mm. really what the movie guys is all about. I have an answer for this. Okay, <laughs> yes, then you go first. Uh, what about Bob? Yes, you're right. <laughs> I named my dog Dr. Marvin. Did you? Yes, Dr. Leo Marvin Dr. is my Dr. Leo dog. Marvin. Because he likes to yell a lot. He, like yep. Dr. Marvin. He goes from being like lovely and normal to being crazy <laughs> in two seconds. And then you're like, but you're a psychologist. <laughs> you have the right answer. Very good. All right, let's wrap up this segment with your favorite Bill Murray movie Bill of Murray. all time, Paul. Yes. Uh, I guess I would have to go with Caddyshack. <gasps> yeah. Another right answer. Yeah. I, I have a feeling happen? there's no wrong answer. <laughs> there's no wrong answer. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thanks, guys. So, again, it's uncoverempire.com. And mm -hmm. I saw when I went on there, the upper right-hand corner looks like it has links to Twitter, Facebook, and perhaps something else. Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Okay. YouTube, yep. And uh, any other news about it we need to know? Just keep watching. Follow along at home. Uh, keep watching. Um, maybe in the next month or so, we have something coming out that's pretty big uh, we're excited about. But, uh, yep, that will come Ooh. out on Facebook. Look at that. All right, gentlemen. So make get sure on that Facebook page so you know the updates. <laughs> make sure you keep in touch with us so that we can watch the movie and review it. Yeah. So that'd be awesome. Give awesome. you some play. Right. Thank Especially you. since we spoke to you, the people listening might want to go, okay, we want to see that movie now. So keep us updated. Absolutely. Cool. Paul and Matthew, thank you very much. We'll be back in just uh, 10 seconds or so with Tom Laughlin oh. of the State University of New York He's at Fredonia. He's off stage. He's stretching and doing vocal exercises. It's doing a vocal push <laughs> getting ready for this. As an actor should. Should be noted that this music is from Sweet Ass Cream Corn, Western New York band. That's the man. I was going to give him a shout out at the end of the show, but let me give it to him now. Bob Volpe helping yeah. us out with the audio to make the show happen. And uh, he plays drums on this song along with uh, Don Volpe and others. Bogey Griffin, right? And uh, who's? Oh, just a three. It's a trio, right? And so they go out and they play locally. In it's like Rush. You know. It's like Rush. It's like, mm -hmm. like ELP. It's like all that. That's right. Just like Rush. Uh, so let's see. Oh, maybe we have the uh, ring bell, please. <laughs> Round one in this corner, weighing in at 29 years of service to the great department of the theater and dance arts at Fredonia State University in upstate New York. <laughs> Truly the heavyweight champion of the school, actor, director, inspiration, and good friend who Karen and I and the hundred or so other alumni who came to homecoming this weekend can't thank enough and are happy to call a good friend. Joining us now in the show, Tom Larkley. Thank you. It's great to be here. I was just looking at my notes to see if I'm supposed to have my computer open if we had like something written to say about you, but I don't see anything. Nah, so you, you can ad lib it. I was gonna say I think I'm just gonna pull it right on my butt. There you go. All right, perfect. Would you have something to say about Tom? Um, only wonderful, glowing things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, Tom, this is <laughs> your final year. All right, what? Yes. Um, did, I, did I get the, the intro right? Are you the chair, department chair? I'm the chair, department chair, yeah. I've been for the last six and a half years. I thought so, yeah, because you went away to a different department. I did. Came back. I did. The department merged. Yes. And you became the head of it. That's correct, oh, yeah. Nice. So essentially, that's correct, yeah. I spent a little time uh, working in media. I'm, I'm very interested in uh, computers and media and all, how all that stuff works. And I spent about eight years building programs for the college in that area. And then, and then when I was done, I came back. Are you watching closely how I'm playing 
I have been, I off absolutely have. Yes, yeah, yes, go. absolutely. High tech, high tech stuff. It's very yeah. high tech. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you realize this close to your retirement. I think we talked about this. Yes, we did. I mean, I've seen movies. Some terrorists are going to come take you, take you out, <laughs> right? You're talking about it too much. You know, it's like, oh, I don't have much long, longer to go. I'm going to be retired. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yeah, so. that's actually what happens to um, not only uh, the cops and stuff too, but I feel like that's what happens with s- telephone salesmen, just whatever. What this doesn't is matter. the last one. They just got to get through it, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Are you prepared matter. for hell to break loose? Uh, um, not quite yet, no, no. <laughs> but I've got my eyes open. How do you prepare for that, Paul? <laughs> I don't know. He's got a semester to think about it. All yeah. right. Well, you just, you, you I know what keep, it is. Keep, walking, keep <laughs> walk, looking over your shoulder. You just got to keep looking over your shoulder, um, Karen. Just That's don't get do. any students pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you go. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, I got news for you. I have I have this terrible, terrible fear that in the next six months yes. or something, I'm going to make the biggest mistake I of did. my life. Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't get anybody pregnant. Okay. You should be halfway there. All right. I'll work on that. Okay. <laughs> now, we have to address this hat. Sure. Oh, Lord. New York Yankees How are the hat. Angels doing, by the way? They're in last. <laughs> <laughs> Not just in last. I mean, they were... You know, the thing about being an Angels fan is yeah. there's something to root for every year. That's right. I mean, they're never predicted to win. No. Um, but they're always in the hunt. Yeah, everybody until says. this year. I had a good, like, 14-year run of them always being in the hunt. That's right. That's Not right. this year. You have the bad owner, Pete Angelos. I mean, he's terrible. He goes out and spends all those big contracts. What, what, is, what has Albert Pujols done for you lately? Come on. Be real. He had a pretty decent year, but yeah. not the years he had. With not the, the years he that had. That brought two championships to the St. Louis. And that's what Pete Angelos was looking for. And, and, you know, you just don't you don't pay for past performance in baseball, Paul. That's the way it goes yeah, right yeah. now, you know. But um, this, do you know this was the old move of the Yankees? Yes, it was. The, the, that's right. The, the See, load. I can gloat now because that's what the Yankees did for <laughs> like 20 years, right? Yeah. Under Steinbrenner, right? So, I mean, now I get, now I get to gloat. But I, I've been there. I've been there. We have a pretty that. good owner, though. I like and the, I have the hat. I like, I'm sorry to say, we have a pretty good general manager. I like Artie Marino. Yes, you do have Artie Marino. Yeah, Artie Marino is a very good general manager. Um, I think actually, if you want to know the real truth, and you're probably going to kill me for this, it's, they, they probably have to get rid of Mike Sosha. It's a little old, long in the tooth. Each year, towards the end of the year, he would save his job. Yeah. This year, he did not. Yeah. So I think he's gone. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I haven't heard that yet. Probably after the World Series, um, we'll yeah. he, we'll hear that. But you know, he's, and I and I think that's just really the problem. I'm not sure. I think he's a little bit grouchy now. And uh, uh, he, thank and you. He's great in-game manager. Oh, but I think uh, a thank you and uh, you know next. Uh, yeah. Maybe around the corner. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good thing. And then I think you'll see an, uh, uh, them start to climb back up. And the Yankees? Um, they were in the hunt. Didn't th- quite get there. Though. Well, the thing about the Yankees that I'm very proud of that they did is they finally broke out of that pattern of, of, of you know hiring aging stars and giving them big contracts and stuff like that. And Brian Cashman finally got permission to do what everybody else in baseball has been doing. Like for maybe, Theo Epstein. Like Theo Epstein, yes. Yeah. yes. So that he jettisoned all those contracts. The one contract I wish he hadn't jettisoned was obviously Andrew Miller. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I'm even glad they let uh, Chapman go because, I mean, you know, they still have a possibility of signing him as a free agent when he finishes winning the series for the Cubs. They'll be, you know, (laughs) in good shape and uh, they might they might get him back. But, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, between and they haven't even brought up Clint Frazier yet. He was the one guy that nobody saw when they brought up all these kids from the farm. Um, they, they left him down in AAA to uh, finish the year. But, I mean, when you're talking about Gary Sanchez and um, uh, Greg Bird and Aaron Judge and all of those young players coming up, there's a core of players here that reminds me of, like, 1990, 1991, Yeah, the Brocious, when Brocious, Peggy Rulo and uh, Pac Squad and all those guys were coming up. That's through. right, all yeah, those guys. Great players. <laughs> and next thing you know, World Series. That's right. right? They just tacked on a few uh, 
free agents. And then that's when right. they got desperate, they thought they were going to lose. Guy, people were leaving. That's when they piled on too many, I thought. Yeah, and we're starting to become the baseball guys, you realize, instead of the movie. I, uh, <laughs> well, I bring, I'm just I bring it around. I bring it around like a so. When we, uh, when we were training with you at, at Fredonia, you uh-huh. would always bring up baseball as a metaphor for acting and a metaphor for life. Correct. What, what could you share with people out there who are listening, who are interested in acting, that baseball, how baseball pertains to that well, skill or life in general? <clears throat> the, easiest, the, easiest, um, the easiest one for me to come up with um, is, is um, the, the, one of the reasons I absolutely like baseball is because the game is really about the ball. And you have to know where the ball is at all time. And that famous baseball phrase, keep your eye on the ball, is, is absolutely so true in acting. It's we, true in life. Did, did you see last night's game? Uh, I, I, I saw last night's game this afternoon. When the Dodger, one of those Dodgers, dropped the ball. And they put it in slow-mo. And I watched him. He took, that, he took his he eye took off the, the, the ball. He didn't exactly. catch it. He was, he was watching um, the runner at second base who had actually touched second base and rounded the corner and had uh-huh. to go back. He was watching that runner run. And, and that made him take his eye off the ball for just that instant. And, and you lose catch it. And you lose that much of the present moment right and you're done so if you uh, a good actor is always spontaneous in the moment a good actor is always right there right in that moment with exactly what you know she or he needs to 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 nail it but you have to keep the eye on the ball the minute you're looking at something else you're looking at the lights you're looking at the thread on your costume or some you know some stupid thing like that that's when the whole thing goes down in the toilet so i'm sorry were you saying something (laughs) (laughs) he was he called he called the baseball uniforms costumes which is my favorite thing (laughs) (laughs) i do that too i do it all the time just teasing. Oh, we don't know to watch batting rehearsal? <laughs> batting practice. Right, Whatever. Right. Yeah, batting rehearsal. I'm in theater. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, even yeah. think that Tom's bright in a larger sense, not only on the logistics of actually being in the moment performing a, um acting scene or a, some sort of uh, job, but also in keep your eye on the ball where you are in the industry in general. Mm-hmm. Industries change. They... Um, you know, romantic comedies used to be the thing, and that's not so much a thing anymore. Now we're going on to these big budget movies, and it's mostly uh, people who are already established. So in order to figure out your way through the door, you have to go, okay, now where do I fit into the new way things are flowing? And again, keep your eye on the ball of what is working for you and what's not, and then just keep plugging away the thing that works, let the other stuff uh, fall and away. And the other thing that's interesting about that is the amount of information you can get. So in the movie industry, information is everywhere now where it used mm-hmm. to be all very contained. Yeah. Now it's all out in the open, right? And then you look at baseball and they have so much information on stats now that you can literally place your eight players out on the field statistically where somebody's going to hit the ball nine times out of ten. We always tell people if they're making an independent film to make a horror film in one location with a small cast because the likelihood of you being able to sell it is higher. There's already an audience that's built in yep. and the production value is um, the amount of money you could make in comparison to how much you spend is much more vast. Well, so. you know, the interesting, you were, you were talking to me about something yesterday at, and, and, and no, it was good because <laughs> I, because actually I've been telling my students that you said, you were doing, I asked you what uh, musicals you had been doing and stuff like that and you said, oh, well, yeah. now I'm concentrating on one thing, I'm just doing one the Boubet sisters and you're doing that and I tell, I tell my students that actually quite often now. It, 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 find your trick, find whatever your one trick is mm-hmm. and market that until you get noticed and then play that off as long as you possibly can until you are in a position to do whatever it is that you want Right, because you can time. always come back to do whatever you want once you become, so for example with the Boubet sisters, if we got to the point where we we wear costumes, nobody knows who we are so we could get to right. the point where we're out there and making so much money and making so many connections that someone could just say, hey, do you want to be um, this other part in some movie mm-hmm. you just take the makeup and costumes off and you go, but you've made those connections. That's right yeah. That's exactly right. Hey, you know, we and, agree. Uh, we agree. I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrific. Well, a lot of theater in Los Angeles also looks for that person who's established themselves elsewhere 
for their lead. Yes. A bunch of actors in L.A. struggle real hard to be seen in theater, but it's like, well, let's take that person who's been on mad television. Or let's get <laughs> yeah. that person who was the lead in Dawson's Creek or right. whatever it is. And it whatever doesn't it matter is. if they have any Because that'll draw people in. Or yeah. Broadway, too. Broadway, you come, in bro- you come from New York with Broadway credits to L.A., you're going to work. You're going to work, yeah, Over absolutely. us who, who don't have any. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, there you go. It's, it's, it's really the way the industry goes. You've got to keep your eye out. Now, at Fredonia, we studied Stanislavski with you. We did, yes. Are you still teaching that? I am, you know, but but um, the interesting thing about, I mean, Stanislavski is sort of like the core of everything in the last 125 years or so of acting. But the interesting thing is, is that um, he doesn't he doesn't play as well as he used to, he doesn't read as well as he used to. So actually, I've developed over the years in a more integrated system of teaching Stanislavski along with improvisation. And so I've merged the two. In other words, I try to invent improvisational games and fun games and things that kids can do, which have underlying Stanislavski principles in front and in, in behind them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ha ha! Ha ha! Taught you. Taught you. <laughs> <laughs> when you weren't yeah. looking, that's I taught it. you. I taught you when you weren't looking. <laughs> yeah, that I, sounds I, very Meisner. Yeah, as I if tr- you're combining some Meisner in there. No, Meisner's just repetitive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I found Meisner interesting uh, because I came from, in, well, I had Stanislavski first, then right. improvisation. Right. right. And then I went into Meisner, and that was a little bit of a lateral move because you really are behaving in the moment with no sense recall like or a lot of preparation. You just play off your partner, and that's Correct. improv. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So. You know, and it's a good way to teach students now because that's kind of the thing that they like is they like to feel that they're having fun, but at the same time, you just set a trap for them to fall in so that when they fall in that trap, you have a teachable moment. That's Michael Donahue. He said you uh, have <laughs> the cake, and that's all of the stuff that you're trying to teach them, and the frosting are the improv games. Yes, And then they just eat the frosting, and they get some cake. They get some you know, cake. The cake. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So one of these days, see, and that's my mixture. Now, everybody says, you know, if you're going to retire, it's time to write a book. So I figure, well, okay, why not? Uh, but that's my mixture. My, mi- my mixture is um, um, Stanislavski um, taught through improv with uh, baseball metaphors thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See? And that's good for theater <laughs> students because they all love baseball. They do. They all sports. love it. Everybody loves Keep it. Keep your eye on the ball. A, a book by Tom Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we have perfect. title. Perfect. And patent pending again. Patent pending, yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, And you perform at the school. When we were there, you were in yeah. Equus. Yes. And you were in something else coming up, yeah? Yeah. Uh, we're doing um, The Man Who Came to Dinner by Moss Hart and George Kaufman. It's one of those great 1930s, uh, 34. I think it was written in 1934, if, I correct, if I'm correct. And I'm playing Sheridan Whiteside, who is, um, you know, it's a pretty uh, substantial role. And... Uh, uh, the, um, the the plot of the play is actually based on a real person, um, Alexander Wolcott, who used to be a, t- a critic for the uh, New York Times, one of the New York Times' first critics. He wrote for The New Yorker, and he was the guy who uh, basically ran the Algonquin table, which featured guy, people like uh, Harpo Marx and Dorothy Parker and all of those people who would sit around for lunch in the Algonquin Hotel down in Broadway when it existed, and they would just have lunch and they would trade witticisms. And Alexander Wolcott was the leader of that group. He was a well-known wit. He was a... The vicious a, circle? The vicious circle, yeah. you could call it, yeah. It, well, his vicious circle, yeah. That vicious little circle. Because Dorothy Parker to. had one of those, yeah, if he was in there. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Parker was in there, yes. As a matter of fact, Wolcott and Dorothy Parker actually fell out because they... they, they finally, you know, got a little too witty for each other. <laughs> <laughs> witty is the word we use? <laughs> yeah, mm. or vicious, whichever yeah, one you want. <laughs> Very similar. A- a- and, they, and they fell out. And uh, George, George Kaufman was in uh, part of that group, too. So um, as he was, um, you know, sort of studying Wolcott one day, um, he said, oh, this, this guy would... Because would. what happened, apparently what happened was, was that Kaufman was at a party, um, uh, Wolcott was invited, and he was such a horrible, horrible guest... <laughs> the most horrible guest. I mean, anything you could think of that a horrible guest would do, probably Wolcott did it. And as as he was doing that, they went home that night, and George Kaufman went home to sit and put the 
typewriter, you know, paper to typewriter and said, here's it is, act one, the man who came to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and, the play, and the play came out. And, and Alexander Walcott actually was, a, was not a very good actor. Um, he was in what they called the C Company of the Touring Corps. He, and he, did the, he was only allowed to act his own life on the West Coast. They only allowed him to act there. They wouldn't let him act it in the East Coast, New York. Or I think I know some people like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, mm -hmm, there mm. you go. Paul Preston. Yeah, so that's going to be in December. What? Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is basically you've, you've worked your way into a curmudgeon role. Yes, oh, that's perfect. correct. So well, all it took was 28 years of students. It's like a good wine, you know, <laughs> that's sort of... And I'm trying to get out before it turns to vinegar. So, <laughs> so um, yes, so uh, 29 years, uh, you know, I'm in my 29th year, so by the time I finish, it'll be 29. And um, We saw this film, or I did at least, in Chicago with John Mahoney. I'm sorry, this we play. Saw the play. See, oh. I'm a movie guy. Oh. I went right to I went right to movies. Yeah. But no, I saw the play on stage at Steppenwolf with John Mahoney. Mm. He was he was he was great as you can imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so. yeah. It's a fantastic role. I mean, it's a tour de force role. So, all right, let's get to this because I called it a movie and it's a play and uh, yeah. so all the whole right. movie play thing. Right. When I was at college, we would always knock heads about the greatness of movies correct. or the lack of greatness <laughs> of movies. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. So movies aren't your thing. No. Now, is that just in general, or is that in compared to theater? It's really in compared to theater, I have okay. to say. Okay, so if you give me a choice whether I want to go to a movie or whether I want to see a play, I'll always go to see a play because, you know, fundamentally, um, for me, that's happening right in front of me, and there's an element of I don't know what's going to happen at any given moment. Um, and that's what I love to see. In a play, you can go, and if you go a number of times, you'll always see a little bit different here, a little bit different there. Movies are canned. Right? They're mm -hmm. not shot in sequential order. You're, you're really reacting to flickers of light. You're not reacting to real people. Um, and it's really uh, an editor's medium. It's really not an actor's medium. Um, because the, the, it's the director and the editors that are setting up the actor to look a specific way, act a specific way, talk a specific way. And they can do anything with that that they want to. And the actor really doesn't have that much control over it. So as a consequence, I don't find, for as an actor, that that's my favorite medium. I'd rather be in front of a bunch of people and having them react to me live in a sort of a, a, a give and take way that way. That, that's to me, is just more exciting. I do, th I think that a lot of actors share that. I've heard um, <coughs> even stars of film say that they like the live experience better because they can feel that instant gratification, that instant feedback from the audience. Mm -hmm. And you can also make adjustments. If you are in a comedy, especially, if you're out there and you're just trying too hard and you're pushing, you can realize the audience isn't getting it. It's not um, natural. So you can pull back and then once you relax, they start to laugh more. Yes. You can't control that whenever they're putting it on tape because like you said, they can decide to take your best angles, your worst angles. They can make you look way better than you are, which is wonderful. But mm -hmm. at the same time, they can see something in your performance that you really want them to hide and they can bring that to the forefront. Yes, they can. I mean, uh, and, and of, of course it's it's not an in, it's not an endurance thing. Also, I mean, there's a there's a quality of endurance, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you're if you're doing a show, you're going to do that show uh, four to six times a week. You're going to do it for four weeks, six weeks, and you eight get to weeks. find nuances. I really yeah. I want to do film and TV, obviously, just because it's it's where the we, money's better. The Karen, money come is on. better. <laughs> in the time, you know what? Once I memorize that thing and I'm done, I'm done. That's it. But I do not like the fact that you're put in front of the camera without enough rehearsal. Yeah. I love rehearsal. That's where I take all of my risks, and that's where I find really great moments. And I also like long runs of shows that are good. Mm -hmm. I don't like long runs of the shows that are bad. Nobody does. But <laughs> <laughs> whenever I get into like that fourth or fifth or sixth week, I'm starting to have a lot of fun yeah. because I'm able to relax. I find more moments on top of the things that you're just trying to get the blocking and the words, right? Right. And the intention. 
then all of a sudden you're able to find these little gems and these little moments and you, spa- you time it a little bit better. Yeah. That only comes with the rehearsal and you don't get that in film and TV. No, you don't. And there's a lot, and, and I think that goes out for actors in, in Hollywood. I think it goes both ways. I think there are a lot of actors who are, you know, don't like to rehearse at all. They just like to get out there. Yeah, and wing it and hope know, they get I, it the I, first time. I hope they get it the first mm-hmm. time. And if they don't get it the first time, they know that if they do it four or five times, sooner or later they get it. There's a famous story about, you know, Marilyn Monroe, who I think it was when she was shooting... Um, uh, oh, you got you have to help me with the movies. The last one she did with um, oh, the Misfits. The Misfits, yes. Um, and uh, uh, Clark Gable, you know, came up to the director and said that they had they had gone through about thirty takes, and they said, uh, what, what, you know, this is thirty takes, man. When are we finally going to get? Is it when Marilyn gets one right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you're gorgeous. See, <laughs> we, went, we saw uh, Steve Jobs, and there was a Q and A afterwards with Danny Boyle and most of the cast, and Seth Rogen. Said, well, they sh- have you seen that film? No, no, of course, of course not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look it's who you're well, talking well, to. It's a, it's well, thr- talk about the films I have seen. Later uh, right, yes, of course. There was a three act. Uh, it was a three act play, each uh, film, but uh, staged in three acts, each one revolving around a different launch of a product that Steve Jobs was involved in. The first one, the original Macintosh, and then his next computer, and then later on the iMac. Mm-hmm. And so with each. The way they shot it was they rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and shot the first half. Rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and shot the second half or whatever. Not a half, but... Which they never do anymore. Right, so they never did. So Seth Rogen said he showed up. Normally he's like, well, normally I go in a set. I go, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Let's go. Action. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> but he's like, oh, yeah. But I'd never come to a set so prepared. Wow. You know, he showed up on a set. He's like, I, everybody knows what to do because it it's uh, Danny Boyle it was shooting Sorkin. So a- Aaron Sorkin wrote this stuff oh. like he writes all the walk and talk. They mapped out everything in yes. the studio for where they That's had to go. That's got to be such a wonderful feeling, though. I like knowing what's expected. Well, the performances yeah. in that movie are fantastic. Yeah. So it totally paid off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally paid did. off. And, of course, Sorkin was a playwright before he became a, a, yeah. a scriptwriter. So, you know, that's why he brings that to his movies, I think, all the time. He brings that to his dialogue. He brings that to the way the film is uh, shot and, and, and cut and all that type of stuff. I mean, that kind of movie I always find, you know, really pretty interesting because because... For me, what's really good about movies, what I really like about it, there's, there's two kinds of movies I really love. I, I love movies that get cliches 100% right, and I love movies that are, are narrative-driven. So, you know, those are the two biggies for hey, Give me. me some examples of both those. I like the first one. Yeah, the, the cliche, first one. exactly right. What was that? Uh, like uh, Field okay. of Dreams? Or? Uh, uh, yes. Field that's of Dreams a is, a, one, is right? a perfect example. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I, of course, I like it. But, but it gets every cliche. There's that great speech that James L. Jones gives about baseball. and and and. But they get every single cliche right. They get the father-son relationship yeah. cliches right. They get... Um, the the uh, young innocent kids cliches right. They get the supportive wife cliche right. They get the you know confused guy who's having a vision and he really needs to drive through and doesn't know what he's doing. But you know he keeps on pushing forever and ever. They get that right. Um, they get the dreamy quality of the American the Americana ness of baseball right. So that's a that's a perfect example of a movie that gets cliches right. You you know every single thing in there is a cliche, <laughs> right? But, but you love but, it. It's but you just love like it. eat. It's like Eating an ice cream that's your favorite. Yes. So is you it just making the familiar fresh, or is it just doing the familiar so well that you're just in awe? It's doing the familiar so well that 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 you know you it, it's undeniable in in many ways. You can't. It's not really. I don't know that I would call it fresh, but I would call it like everybody, no matter who they are, can identify with that. That's that's how that's how well they do it. Doesn't matter who you're from, where you are, what you do. It's that that moment is like. I recognize that. I recognize that, uh, and it's a cliche, but still in all, you know, because cliches come from truth, really. When you mm-hmm. s- when you think about it, there's always a grain of truth in a yep. cliche. That's why it's a cliche. Yeah. 
Are you impressed by movies, though? Do you take the? Are you impressed by the? Like I know you say, for as an actor, the actor has a lot more to do in a stage mm-hmm. play, but the confluence then of artists in different mediums coming together to create a story that can grab you emotionally. Okay. You okay. Yes. Yeah, so, well, a good movie is always impressive. I yeah. mean, if I like a movie, then it's impressive. I mean, that's the way I think about it. Okay. <laughs> I think we have to understand what movie you like. Well, here's then the, I understand. I'll tell you, Tom and I. May have been our first and last movie together. Was yeah. Unforgiven. The Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, by yes. Clint Eastwood. The Clint Eastwood movie. And yes. the whole time I'm watching, I'm trying to enjoy what eventually won Best Picture best of the Year best. of thousands of movies, yes. featuring an iconic actor and director. Right. Uh, this this was uh, it, the cliche done right of a western. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the whole time I'm watching, he's next to me. Blurting out the line they're going to say next and being dead on perfect right about it. And then laughing at the stuff that he knew was coming a mile away. Apparently you didn't think the cliches were done right enough. No, I didn't. Not an unforgiven. No. But, but you know, I mean, I have to, I pro- you know what, I'm, I probably got to go see that movie again, though. I have to tell you the God's honest truth. Because, because it may be that I was at a time in my life when I couldn't appreciate that. And I, and, and I wasn't a big Clint Eastwood fan. But all of a sudden, as I've watched Clint Eastwood actually make more and more and more, more movies, I, I may have been influenced too much by the fact that I never liked Clint Eastwood as an actor. But some of his movies have been, have been very good. Uh, and, and that's hard to deny, just well, despite the fact that, you know, it, that his, his, um, his presence on the screen is always a little too cliche. This, uh, I, I, I'm repeating myself if you listen to the show a lot, but I've always used him as the example of someone who, when you go into a career in art, most people get into jobs and they can't wait to retire. Right. Like, you can't wait to retire. But if you're an artist and you're, let's say, Clint Eastwood, for example, he's doing the best work of his life in his mid-80s. That's right. Because you don't yeah. want to retire. Right. You can't wait to keep doing it forever. Right. So, I mean, it pays to stick with it. I mean, you're, maybe your best 20 years are coming up here after your retirement. As a matter of fact. You can go fact, out and pursue other yeah, creative things. Yeah, you can things. go pursue all yeah, sorts of acting well, the nice, and Well, the nice thing about, you know... I mean, you may live 20 years, more I than may 20 tw- years. I, may, I, I, I think I, I will. I said 20, but it might, you might live 30. I might live 30, but that's but that's probably that's the that's the hard, rock on the hard place, right? I've only got maybe 30 years, so oh. I better do something with the first <laughs> right. 20, and then I can use the last 10 to sit in the rest home or something like that. <laughs> but but that's the nice thing about that. I'm looking forward to it. If I'm looking forward to one thing about about retirement is having time, and and also after all these years, just not worrying about you know uh, where the money's going to come from because it's already there. Sort of, the government is going to pay me a little bit of money, and then you know, saved up a little bit of money. So, mm-hmm. a combination will get me through. And with that, it offers you a lot of more uh, creative freedom. I can, uh, I can pick my projects. I can say yes or no. I can, I can. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, my career has always been uh, an actor. I've been pursued acting for a number of years. I act a lot in Buffalo and so on. And um, have you done film and TV? Uh, I've done a little film and TV. Yeah, you did yes. the well, drawing chalk. with chalk. Drawing, drawing with chalk. Our yeah, friends, uh, mm-hmm. Todd Julio and uh, Chris Springer. Yes. Uh huh. Made a great short. Uh, great, not short, but a great indie feature. Indie yes. Feature. Yeah, and, and uh, I enjoyed that. That was a, that well, was one of the standout moments of the movie. You're yes, coming you into mean. your type. Yes, I'm coming I bo- into my type and too. And I know. I mean, I'm not saying that in any bad way. Everyone has a type. I'm coming into my type too. Yeah. You just have um, a way that people perceive your energy and mm-hmm. your look. And when you come into that type, who cares how old you are, as long as you're working. Yeah. So you know, for the next uh, you know 20 years, like Clint Eastwood, I, I hope to be able to be able to pursue, have more time to do that because you know my job is very time-consuming in terms of you know sitting around all day and then sometimes rehearsals at night and stuff. And I've worked on lots of other people's time yeah. frames for so long, yeah. right? And now I don't have a time frame, anybody's time frame but mine. And that's, I'm looking forward to that. Like, yeah. I can't even tell you how much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do you consider the best actors currently working 
let's go let's go stage and film. Wow. TV. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to say on stage is probably Nathan Ling. He's um, very versatile. He's exceedingly versatile. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and he's uh, uh, the, the range of things that he's doing now is when you look at his, his, the totality of his stage career at this point, you really have to stand, sit up and go. Uh, what he can do on stage, you know, uh, is, is runs the gamut. If you want him to do drama, he can do drama. You want mm-hmm. him to do comedy, he's got great comic timing. You want him to do, he, he just, um, what did, what they just opened the front page on Broadway, and he's playing the um, uh, the editor, the, the the grouchy editor. And, you know, I mean, the, the reviews were sort of, m- you know, middling about the totality of the show. But again, Nathan Lane is a... Uh, is that Kaufman and Hart, too? Or no, who is that? Uh, no, that's a Ben Hecht. Ben Hecht. Right. Yeah. Um... Uh, it, it was uh, uh, turned into the movie His Girl Friday right. with Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant. And uh, also the front page with Jack Lemmon and Matha. Right? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yes, <laughs> that, well, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen that one yet, oh, interestingly. No. Yeah. I haven't seen the front page of Matha. Yeah, sometimes they just, like, even you mentioned Nathan Lane. Well, they, he was in The Producers on Broadway, which made The Producers in the film, which, of course, is based on The Producers, the old film. I mean, it's, it's, there's mm-hmm. just such monopolizing of properties. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, in the movies right now... That's a tough one. Uh, uh, probably Denzel Washington. I mean, oh, I agree. Oh. He's doing a great job. This brings us to a yeah. little... Uh, what did you see this week? What did you see this week? <laughs> the great stage actor, Adam, Adam Pascal. Pascal. <laughs> he was in her, on our show, and we were like, can you do a little song? He's like, absolutely. We Adam was in your show? Yeah. He, he, Adam did your show? Yeah. yeah. Terrific. Isn't that he cool? Great. He's yeah. great. I did the real love with Adam back in L.A. They brought in... Um, they used all the people who are usually the leads in L.A. in musical theater, and they had us in the chorus. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in Anna Pascal and Katie Huffman to do the leads in this really desperately horrible musical. Um, <laughs> Daisy Egan, Shirley Daisy Jones, Egan, Shirley Dick Jones. Van Patten. It was wow. Awesome. And they had... They uh, have one of the most overqualified choruses you've ever seen. It was amazing. <laughs> and we all did this thing, and then we're all bonded for life. So Adam did me a solid and did the show. Very good. Yeah. Very good. It's like people who were in the movie The Room. You all you band. just kind of look at each other, and you know you were in that. We're like, yeah. you mm-hmm. were in the real love. Come on. Uh, so, but what did you, what you saw this week, or I know at least recently, was The Magnificent Seven yeah, I did. featuring I saw Denzel the Magnificent Washington. Yes. Right. What makes him so great on film? Because I, I, I think I know a number of things that make actors good yeah. on film, but yeah. from an acting teacher's per- perspective, I'd be curious to know if it, if it gels with what I think. Denzel Washington is, is in, you know, for my money, he projects one of the most... Um, He's so relaxed when you watch him, and yet at the same time, he's very deep. I mean, the, uh, watching him, you know, uh, I, don't, I, I can't even remember the characters because, of course, you know, I, I'm never good at character names, but, he, you know, he plays the leader of the Magnificent Seven. And his... The, 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 the Chisholm. Chisholm, thank you. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Sam Chisholm. And um, he is so relaxed in that movie. He, he, it's, it's, he glides through it effortlessly. You know, and yet at the same time, when it comes to that final scene where you know he's he's uh, 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 trying to shoot, um, I'm I'm very bad that's with right, names. Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, Peter Sarsgaard. <laughs> you have to help me with names. Hey, no, I was that's never, why I'm here. I was never good with guests. So I'm the here actor. for most everyone on the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> so when he's trying to shoot Peter Sarsgaard at the end, and you, and then he starts to you know take off, and you see the rope burns and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden he just he just he pulls out from practically nowhere this intensity that is just it's 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 stunning to watch. Um, do you think he makes a choice to not reveal it till then, or yes. somebody does? Oh yes, yes totally. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Denzel, yeah, Denzel, Th- and that's if we if not we just the physical scars, but the 
the emotion. The emotions. And, yeah. The emotions. And one of the interesting things when you look at the original was that Yul Brenner um, has none of that. But it's, Yul Brenner brings something different to that to that uh, particular role than, than Denzel Washington was. But I was not expecting that when I was watching the movie. I wasn't expecting Denzel Washington to come out with that, you know, that moment of. Um, there was a lot of quippery and stuff yeah, going on. Of, otherwise, yeah, 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 right. A lot of gun shooting, slinging, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And but he's so calm. I mean, and and then of course he plays. He he can underplay things. Like every time he says, "I'm Sam Chisholm and I'm deputized in blah blah blah," you know, he's got that little speech memorized mm -hmm. that he tells everybody. <laughs> yeah. it, it comes out like that. It has to be routine to the character. Right, exactly. Like the character said it a million times. Yeah, yep. but, but he makes it that way. I mean, yeah. you know, when you see it, it's like he, it's routine to the character, and he just he delivers it with a clip and a, and, a, and a technique that is just, it's, I was impressed by that. I mean, that's a very impressive thing when you're watching an actor do that kind of thing. And not only that, if you're very careful about how you're listening, and I'll bet you, I'll bet you any amount of money you want, that it's probably at the same rhythm, with the same intonations every single time. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't vary it, you know? And that's the whole... Mm -hmm. uh, people would not necessarily pick that up, but, yeah. I think he has two Oscars, I yeah. believe, for Glory and Training Day. Yes. So, you know, people are right in line with you that he's the best, one of the best now, perhaps for the last 30 years or so. Who inspired you when you decided to go into uh, Marlon Brando. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> I think he still inspires people today, yeah. although the, the, the films he's in, people may not seek out, unfortunately. Well, here's like the funny thing about it. Yes, I mean, Marlon Brando was, Marlon Brando was the inspiration of my, of my generation. When I first watched Marlon Brando act in On the Waterfront I, 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 and, and Street Kind of Desire, it's like my, you know, my jaw fell to my, I mean, he was, you know, the intense flame of that character that he has in, 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 in the way he projects that on stage. And in almost, uh, on, you know, he makes, he makes it look so easy and, and, and the way he can project vulnerability, quiet vulnerability, and you know, he, he was magnificent at that. Um, and, but as I got older, here's an interesting thing. As I got older, and I realized I was never going to play any of Marlon Brando's parts, <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, I don't know, I look nothing like Marlon Brando. <laughs> I, turned to, I turned to Robert Duvall. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And, and the reason yeah. I turned to Robert Duvall was because he was a character actor, and all of a sudden it was like I began to look at the, what he was doing from character to character to character. And um, you look at him as, uh, as uh, 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 Boo Radley in Kill a Mockingbird, and then I think the first time I really, really took notice of him was in The Godfather. Yep. Um, and I said, who is that guy, right? And then uh, thank you for smoking, believe it or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. was a terrific role. He was great in that. Um, the Apostle, um, an another fantastic film. Yeah. And Tender Mercy, Tender Network, Mercy. I mean, the list uh, goes Network, on, it yeah. goes on and on and on, and he's just going, and every time I watched him, there was always something different about, he was, he's not the kind of actor who's a personality actor, you know what I mean? Like, like Tom Hanks. Um. <laughs> how dare you, how dare you, sir? I say, how dare you? <laughs> well, you know, that's another topic of conversation, but, but, um. You didn't like Jimmy Stewart then either, huh? I, you know, there, you have to. Jimmy Stewart's a different. Well, that's going to be tough. To, that's going to be tough to defend now. Uh, no, I like I like Jimmy Stewart. You know, you, they, you have to. They, okay, here's the thing about Jimmy Stewart. You have to yes. look at Jimmy Stewart um, from the point of view of like his ro his his romantic comedies and It's a Wonderful Life. But then you have to look at the westerns Jimmy Stewart made, and you'll find two different actors there. Um, but. Um, you know, uh, when it when it, it I, that's what uh, that's what I loved about Robert. I Duvall. still want to see Tom Hanks in a western though, because that's I the would one love thing to see Tom it. Hanks oh, in a western. Oh, that'd be interesting. Now, and I'm and I'm I, I shouldn't really um, diss on Tom Hanks too much because actually I, I think he's uh, brilliant in uh, Forrest Gump. 
which I actually saw. Uh, I was watching TV, and I was, you know, it just was on. <laughs> I went, oh, Forrest Gump, you know, boom, turned yeah, it Yankee on. Yankee game's over. What's on? Yeah, oh. yeah. I was going to watch Forrest Gump for a while, and I watched it again. And every time I watch that movie, it's I get something different out of that movie every time I watch it. I don't know what There's it is. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is a lot, a lot of going great on supporting there. actors, too, in that movie. Terrific supporting actors. Well, let me ask yeah. you what you, your favorite movie of all time is. Okay, you prepared me for this question, and I, 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 it's, but, you know, it, it, uh, Casablanca. Casablanca is my favorite movie. Oh, you know when time. Karen saw that for the first time? No. No. This year. This year. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've never seen it, but I luckily in LA you're able you have to no go. Right, you have no right to do this show anymore. I know. If, if this is the first. <laughs> oh, no, now she does. Before <laughs> she was. Goofing I off. got out of movie jail. I actually got to see it on the big screen at the Arclight, so it was oh. the proper place to see yeah, it. it was was. Yeah, that's the proper place to see it. Mm -hmm. That's the proper place. In to all it. its square glory. Yeah, in yeah. all its square glory. I mean, really, it's but but it is my it is my favorite movie of all time. It, it's it's um, I can't well, get it holds enough up of it. exxedingly well. Yes, it holds up very very well. Nineteen forty. Mm-hmm. Well, nineteen forty-one. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, there's no reason. Yeah, and, a movie and from that should kind of. But you, and who ever heard of Michael Kurtz? I mean, you know, <laughs> the director. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow he managed to pull that off. That is a great movie, and I, I, we saw it in black and white, right? You have to. Yeah. It's only yeah. in black and white. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. it's a turn of Sometimes they change it. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! I no, no, no! Yeah. That's anathema. You can't do that. No, it's I, you okay. Have to we come together on that. Okay, great. That's great. The the it is it is perhaps. Claude Rains is the best part of it. Claude movie. Rains is terrific. <laughs> Claude Rains is terrific. Um, uh, but but the, the I mean Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, uh, uh, Paul Heinrich, um, they're all. It's a it, again it's a cliche done so well. I mean everything about it is you know the the, the outcast American who's you know. Uh, but it may have set up the cliche. Like yes, way it, back it, then, it may have. You know? it, it's very it very well may have you know. Um, but but they're they're all there and they're and they're done so well. And Ingrid Bergman is absolutely gorgeous and 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 she's she's wonderful in that role. And right. Humphrey uh. Bogart and Humphrey Bogart really I, you know to me Humphrey Bogart really that that's his iconic performance of all of the other ones that you can think about. But that's really the one I think that when you think about hum Humphrey Bogart you think about that role. And and even though the chemistry. Um, between um, Humphrey uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall and to have or have not is, is, is pretty good. I actually think it's better in uh, Casablanca. I, th I think I think the, 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 the way that Ingrid Bergman gets to him so that by the time we get to the, the scene where he's in the cafe by himself drunk and um, uh, Dooley Wilson comes in, um, you know, uh, played it for her, you can play it for me, Sam, right? That, that scene is like, it's so heartbreaking. So, oh yeah, Casablanca. Has to be Casablanca. Can't be anything else. All right, and with that, that that wraps up the Tom Lachlan segment. Uh, <laughs> I wish I hadn't. Did I bring this up in the air? I worked with a director at Universal Studios Hollywood for ten years, mm -hmm. Michael Laughlin. Mm. It's throwing me off. But uh, <laughs> Tom, let's get to the final, the finally, the finale. Let's wrap up the show with a bang with Karen's look at the birthdays of those who make the movies. It's Karen's birthdays. Take it away. Woo! It's time for Karen's birthday. All right, let's start by wishing a happy birthday to Miss Felicity Jones, who turns 33 but can play anywhere from British. You don't know her, Tom. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> she can Pretty play anywhere bet. from British love interest to a black cat. Apparently, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 earlier this year, she did some sort of character that's going to have a black cat spinoff. I don't really know her either, I Tom. saw The Amazing Spider-Man so 2. I don't remember that at all. That's what the then IMDb's again, are saying. I don't remember that saying. movie at all. <laughs> She's also starring opposite Tom Hanks in Inferno, which is opening this week. So we can all see her as Dr. Sienna Brooks. And Paul 
Do you think she'll play a doctor very believably? See, already I've read the book. Yes. And she's tall and slender with blonde hair. And Sienna. Ah, Sienna. What kind of name? Sienna. Uh, you know, and the woman, Sienna. this lady has black hair. Is that all <laughs> throwing you off? That's all going to throw me off. Why am I reading these books? I don't know. In 2014, Waste of time. she yeah, exactly. got an Academy Award nomination. We're not coming together on that, too, are we? Uh-huh. You know, like no. Oh, no, books I like. I like, oh. but not, you know, not necessarily those books. Oh, okay, get out. <laughs> she was given an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress for her work as Jane Hawking, the wife of Stephen Hawking, in The Theory of Everything. And, Tom, you didn't see that either. No, I didn't. All right, fantastic. <laughs> she was set to star opposite Julia Roberts in 2012's Mirror, Mirror, but she had to turn down the role because she already agreed to star in the stage production of Louise Miller in London. Tom, what's that all about? Louise Miller in London? I have mm. no idea. Oh, great. It, it's in London. I'm well, here. all right, Wait. fine. <laughs> was the show called Louise Miller and she performed it in London? Yes. Or is the show called? It's Louise Miller. Oh, Louise Miller. I don't know. Performed I, I, on the West End of London. Gotcha. I still know nothing about oh. it. She's British. <laughs> I put that in there because I, I wanted to do a theater reference. Uh-huh. Son of a gun. Um, <laughs> you got to prep me. Tom, <laughs> you will recognize her from being the face of Dolce & Gabbana. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would be the one. And she also stars in the spin off Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which will be coming up soon. Oh, yes. As Adam will tell us all about that Jin in the coming weeks. Jin Urso? Jin Urso. All right. We have that to look forward to. Hopefully it's a tall, leggy brunette and not some blonde. You, you come up with Star Wars character names by shaking the boggle game. Yeah, that's it what down that and looks see what, like. What's there. Are you, looking, <laughs> are you looking forward to that, the Rogue version? Uh, I am. I was not so thrilled with The Force Awakens. Neither was I. Um, I saw it. And this one, you did? Oh, I hey, did. Oh, wow. newsflash, everybody. Uh, I, see, I see the Star Wars and the Star Trek, so I'm hooked on them. Oh, okay. oh all right. Did you like right. uh, Star Trek Beyond? I did. Yeah, so okay. did I. Okay. Nah. I'm cool with them just making one of those every three years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, but I am looking forward to Rogue One. The, the trailers just keep looking more and more promising as if this one will have some real depth to it. Plus, I like that era of Star Wars, mainly as I like Star Wars. Empire Jedi, I like Death Star, I like Darth Vader, I like all that. And Death Va- Darth Vader is going to be in a movie again. Again. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about Star Wars, this man was not in any Star Wars movies, but we're going to celebrate his birthday anyway. Mr. Ben Foster. Not who yet. turns 36, and he can play anywhere from crazed to violent. He always plays crazy people, doesn't he? Or like really intense people. He's intense, that's for sure. He, uh, a couple of movies that Tom hasn't seen that he's been in have been <laughs> X-Man The Last Stand, Al- uh, Alpha Dog, no. 310 to Yuma? Um, the no, remake. but I should watch that one. Right? The remake's yeah. quite good. That's what I yeah, hear. Yeah. I, I'm sorry I missed that one. I have to go back to that And one. Russell Crowe. You like Russell Crowe? No, I like Russell Crowe, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was also in The Messenger. The Mechanic, which Paul says is amazing. I haven't seen The Mechanic. No, it's horrible. With oh, Jason I thought you Statham? loved it. Awful. <laughs> and Lone Survivor, he was also in that movie. Now, none of these movies have I seen either because, you know, they're not my kind of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm not in charge of this kind of movie, Paul is. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. No Bill Murray's, no Julia Roberts. Bill Murray's? You haven't asked me about Bill Murray question. Oh, we'll get there. No, I'm sure we oh. will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, when X-Men came around, uh, it was a vacation for him, he says, because it was like living in a theme park for six months. I got to fly around and kick bad guys' asses. <laughs> 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 I want to go to that theme park. Yeah, I really think right. that sounds like a lot of fun. But I wanted to know if there was anything I'd ever seen him from, so I went to his IMDb credits, and I realized he was in Six Feet Under, which oh. I am currently watching. He hasn't appeared yet, but someday I'll say I've seen him. There and go. also, My Name is Earl, which I watched all of those, so apparently he was in there. And also, Flash Forward, and I just love that dance movie, so I figure he was probably in that, and I didn't recognize what? him. What? He's in that from, like, 1986. No, no, he was in exactly. a TV series <laughs> called with Tucker James called Flash Forward. I'm just being silly. <laughs> Sidney Poitier, right? 
directed that Flash awful forward. 80s dance movie, yes. <laughs> it's great, Tom. They go to New York. They go to win a dance contest, and they get an apartment, and they all find a couch on the street, and then they put it in their apartment, and then they dance. Tom, if you watch more movies, Great you realize movie. that all of the ills of the world can be solved through dance. I, wait a minute. Are a you good t- dance I, you're contest. pulling my leg, right? You're telling no, me that's Sydney, a real movie. Sidney Poitier directed, directed that? that? Yeah. Wow. I would well, say it's the late. Sidney Poitier. Oh, I would say it was God. late in his career, but he's still alive. You really, ah! you realize you've broken my heart now, <laughs> I'm right? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, let's wish a very happy birthday to Mr. Alfred Matthew Yankovic, also known as Weird Al. Wow. His birthday is today, the day we're recording this. He's also known as the weird one, the boneless boy, because of apparently his boneless dance he does in his videos, where it appears that he has no elbows. That's true. All right. (laughs) flailing those appendages around. (laughs) He's great. He's also known as the king of parody. And his first song, My Bologna, Bologna, a parody of the Knack's My Sharona, was recorded in a college bathroom, of all things. Wow. For the acoustics. And after being played on Dr. Demento's show, it was caught the attention of Doug Flieger, who was the lead singer of The Knack, and Flieger arranged for the recording of Yankovic to be signed by his company, and they gave him a little contract, and My Bologna became number one, Al's first big hit. My Bologna. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, my, before we left town to come here, I was telling Tom this story. I have the Boobay Sisters, my parody group, and um, I was going to leave, and so we had to mail something real quick, and it was my CD to Dr. Demento. Oh, yeah. wonderful. So I just mailed my CD off to him. So watch out. The boobays are going to be right up there with Mr. Weird Al. You should do a version mm-hmm. of that song, in, in, a Western New York version of it, called My Fried Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> with a pop on the side. Right? <laughs> hey, Paul, you know how much I love when celebrities Wait, sing. Wait, can I just say something? Yes. Can you imagine how what? amazing and how rare it is for one man to dominate a genre for 30 years? Years. It's like Tom being at Fredonia. Mm-hmm. No one does it as well. For 30 years. No one does it at all. No one does it at all. He's no. the yeah. guy, and he's yeah. great. <laughs> if he's horrible, we would all be throwing a revolution and demanding other people. But it's like, no, Weird Al's got it. Yeah. Got it. He's got You're it. Good. He's, he's good. nailed that. Yeah, he's yeah. nailed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Karen, I know. Yes, I, I love listening to celebrities saying, do you know that, Paul Preston? Uh, you know, uh, you know Karen pretty well, right? I know Karen pretty well. Yeah, well, you, uh, there's a couple of things that... Uh, <laughs> You need to know about her. Okay. Uh, and when people go up, up in the street and they ask, tell me two things about Karen Volpe, you'll probably say, not a Yankee fan. Not <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not so sure. No, 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 no. Well, well, hey, I wore this in honor of Spike Lee because I knew I was coming here. There so you go. It's nothing to do with the Yankees. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> wear a Knicks hat. What's the matter with you? <laughs> but she also loves to hear celebrities sing. I do. I do very much. And so I thought, well, why don't we celebrate Weird Al's My Bologna by listening to a little My Bologna? All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> I gotta toast it up. <laughs> hey, real quick, Tom, what's your favorite Bill Murray movie? Boston Translation. Yes, it's a great movie. <laughs> I love, I just watched that movie again and I just want to hang out with him like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, you do. I just yeah. wanna be there and have him just be like 
sitting waiting for me to get my toe yep. taken care of. Ah. Oh, I'm just watching him work, and ah. the, 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 every time he goes on set to do that, you know, the, 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 the whiskey or the bourbon, whatever oh, it is he's amazing. selling, it, it's he's, amazing. He, he's doing exactly what we all think in our head, That's because right. you need the money, you're in a weird location, you want to do the job right, but what are these people talking about? Right. And you don't know who your confidant is, so you can't say mm -hmm. anything. So you just sit there when they scream at you, and you go, um, to the left? Yes. God, yes. I love For that. I love that. For relaxing times, mm -hmm. make it Santori time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, while we're in birthdays, a quick shout-out to David Minkin, friend of the show and former guest. Happy uh, birthday, Karen David. No, but Karen celebrated oh, Trey Parker's birthday oh, last that's week, right. and David Minkin performed at Trey's birthday party. Nice job, uh, Trey. Trey Parker, one of the founders wow. of South Park. South Park, yes. Oh. Keep up on TV. Oh, We've had all this TV no. stage debate. You know? I'm a little, but I'll tell you, I'm a little upset about that because my my everybody tells me that the best writing now anywhere yes, it's on TV. is on TV now. Yeah, and, the I, writing. I, and I'm ashamed that yeah. I really don't know all these terrible Breaking shows. Breaking Bad, oh my goodness. Yeah, the, yeah. And characters, talk about getting into a character and being able to do it for a long time. Yes. Wow. But yeah. writing carries the t television. Uh-huh. The best yes. movies still are better at utilizing every aspect of the process. Of the, yeah. the storytelling yeah, process. Yeah, to tell the story. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's why I like narrative-driven movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can't... I, I, see, I'm at the point now when I go to the movies, if it's one of those blow-em-up, save-the-world kind of things, my ears just go <laughs> nuts. I can't I deal with it, you know? Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that wraps it up. Uh, another movie showcast, everybody. Together with the movie guys. Individually, we are. Here Follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, YouTube, and iTunes, Instagram, all that nonsense uh, for daily jokes and bits. And uh, thanks to Tom Laughlin. Yay, thank you, guys. Tom, or Tom Laughlin. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Laughlin. You're not on the social media anymore, right? Nobody, uh, can anyone follow you anywhere? Just come down to the... No. The, they the, could just follow, the college and and follow them around. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, also, <laughs> thanks to uh, Matthew Swanson and Paul Shermerhorn. Go to UncoverEmpire.com. It's great for them to come by. And a big shout-out to Kasha Coffee at Main Street in Fredonia for housing next week's showcast. Yeah! Thank you. Uh, you can uh, look them up on Facebook as well. Go to Kasha Coffee. They have both a regular page where they will f like you as a friend and a page where you can like them as a fan. <laughs> it's great. really great and the food is fantastic. I want to do a shout out for that because uh, we got here early so we could eat and really tasty and healthy stuff too. So, so check butternut, squash, soup, and it, I had apple. A, I had a cup of that. It was Ooh. delicious. Yeah, delicious. yeah, yeah. And that is out. Karen's recipe. Yeah. yeah that's nice. fantastic. And also I want to shout out for the fact that if you're in the Fredonia area and you need a place to go and to study or just you want to go and write and be in a really great creative environment, this is really, I would be in here all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to Bob Volpe, Bob Volpe for hel helping us out with the audio. Yeah, and uh, Zach Rocker Music. He was the one who brought in all the equipment. And Sweet so. Ass Cream Corn, who you're listening to. Thanks, as always, to Steve Schultz for contributing comedy material to the show each and every week. And, of course, we owe everything to, to Pat, Pat Peach. And remember, you can always find us at themovieguys.net. Next week, we'll be back in Burbank, and no doubt the uh, table will be split in half again as Adam and I get all giddy for Doctor Strange and Bart and Karen wonder who the hell that is. See you then! <laughs> it sounds like it's just Paul and Adam talking about themselves. Yeah, it does. They're a little strange. <laughs>